goodness, good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler, this is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is Thursday, April 12th. Oh my goodness, I, I haven't felt this good. Listen to this. My sinuses are clear. I, something clicked earlier today and I was like, oh my god, I can hear myself talk. That feels great. I'm going to make everybody mad today. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a great time. You know, I've realized, you know, my, my goal is to be authentic, right? I'm not afraid to make anybody angry. I just say exactly what I believe. And that's my platform. I will never, ever waver from it. I'll never say something because people want me to say something or this or that. I just, I'm honest with you. I speak directly to you. And that's kind of my goal. That's kind of what I live and die for. So I want to start with this. I'm going to ask you guys a question, Do you guys know what a sous chef is? A sous chef is the second in command in a kitchen. So my two favorite TV personalities, I love Simon Cowell and I love Gordon Ramsay. They're fantastic. I think they're both kind of there. They say exactly what they believe. And sometimes they're, they're kind. They actually are. But I'm watching Gordon Ramsay's show and there's a chef in the kitchen who was trying to do everything. He, and, and he's burning things. He's trying to do seven dishes at once, and it's, it's really not working out. It's okay. Like, he's getting the food out technically, but it could go way, way better if he accepted help. And he's got his sous chef standing right there, and he won't let him do it. He's just trying to do everything by himself. And, and in fact, the restaurant was better when the head chef accepted help from the sous chef. I want to quote to you guys Russell Westbrook. I found something. He said this. I'm going to play it right now. This is Russell Westbrook responding to the fact that he's padding his stats. And for the record, I don't believe he pads his stats. I truly 100% believe that Russell Westbrook gives 110% on every single play. Russell Westbrook, he he never, you know, we criticize LeBron James sometimes for taking plays off. I think that happens. Russell Westbrook, you can never criticize him. He never takes a playoff. Nobody plays harder than Russell Westbrook, and I commend him for that. But listen to this sound clip. This sound bite was alarming to me. Take a listen. You just do what you need to do to win. Tonight, scoring is what it is, and that's what it is. If it's rebounding, that's what it is. If it's passing, that's what it's defending. My job is to do everything. That's the problem. Therein lies the huge problem. Russell Westbrook not just believes he can do everything. I'm not just telling you he thinks he can do everything. He actually says it. Russell Westbrook actually says out loud that he must do everything. And all all due respect, because I respect Russell Westbrook. The last thing I want to do is trash the guy, because I I think he's a great player. But Russell Westbrook, your job is not to do everything. Your job is to win games. Just like a head chef, a head chef's job is not to do everything. The job of a head chef in a restaurant is to get good food out to the customers. So I want to tell you guys something. This year, the Thunder went 48 and 35. And last year, the Oklahoma City Thunder went 47 and 34. Why did they only win one more game this year than last year? What's what's the big difference between last year and this year? Uh, last year, it was just Russell Westbrook on the deal. I mean, maybe Steven Adams, maybe Victor Oladipo. But this year, the big deal this offseason was that the Oklahoma City Thunder went out and got Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. So tell me why 
they got those great players. They added two great players to their roster. I mean, you can make an argument that Carmelo Anthony's not who he was. That's fine. I, I think you're right. But regardless, Paul George and Carmelo Anthony are worth more than just one win. Why do you add two awesome players and you only win one more game than last year? What's the constant? What's the thing that hasn't changed between last year and this year? Last year, Russell Westbrook averaged a triple-double. I mean, and that's incredible, man. The guy's flying all over the place. He is doing everything. I think he leads his team this year in rebounds once again, because once again this year, Russell Westbrook averaged a triple-double. And I don't, I don't want to fault someone for their accomplishment. That's not what I want to do. I mean, that's an incredible, impressive stat. Russell Westbrook, I mean, dude, you are unbelievable. But what that shows, the fact that Russell Westbrook averaged a triple-double again, and the fact that the team only got better by one game, why do you add two great players and only win one more game? 48 games this year, 47 last year. When you added two great players, what happened? What that shows us is that Russell Westbrook did not adjust his game. He's trying to do everything. He's a sous chef. He's a head chef who will not accept the help of his sous chef. Russell Westbrook, therefore, that makes him a bad teammate. I love Russ, but why are his, his, why are his teammates, why is Paul George playing worse this year than last year? I would not want to play with Russell Westbrook. You got to accept help from people sometimes. You can't, not in a team, in golf, great, do everything by yourself. That's a, a, an individual sport. But Russell Westbrook is not a golfer. Russell Westbrook plays basketball where there's five people on your team and you have two, I think three great teammates, Steven Adams, Carmelo Anthony, and Paul George. How can you have three great teammates and not get any better? How can you add two awesome players and only win one more game this year than last year? That is very concerning. I'm not trying to knock Russell Westbrook for averaging a triple-double. That's incredible. But he told us, let me play it again. Russell Westbrook told us he believes his job is to do everything. My job is to do everything. I'm telling you guys, Russell Westbrook's job is not to do everything. Russell Westbrook's job is to win games. Just like a head chef's job is not to do everything. A head chef's job is to put out good food. And I think Russell Westbrook, I get where he's coming from. I think it's ultimately he doesn't trust other people. He wants to do it all by himself. I mean, that, I kind of struggle with that sometimes. Like we do group projects and I, I, it's hard to trust other people. And I think Russell Westbrook, honestly, legitimately struggles to trust other people. He wants to take that shot at the end of the game. He doesn't want to give it to Paul George, even though Paul George is better at shooting threes. And I, I think ultimately that makes Russell Westbrook a bad teammate. I don't mean to trash the guy. I like the guy. I'm a fan of his. He's one of my favorite NBA players, but he's not accepting help from his teammates. All right, we have a, whoo, oh, we have a fantastic show. I, I really honestly feel great. We're going to talk a lot about some interesting stuff. We're going to talk about USC quarterbacks. This notion that USC quarterbacks, they just cannot win in the NFL. USC quarterbacks, they're no good. Uh, well, we'll talk about that. Should the 49ers draft Saquon Barkley if Saquon Barkley falls all the way down? Should they? We're going to t I'm going to insert myself into the NBA Rookie of the Year debate. I'm going to tell you who my favorite baseball player is in the entire MLB and why. We're going to talk about, I have a gut feeling about the Patriots. I just have this, I can't explain it, and I know that makes me kind of angry. I like, I want to. I, I like basing everything I say and grounded and good reasoning, and I don't have a good reason for this, but I have a gut feeling about the Patriots we're going to get to later. 
There are two teams that should not draft a quarterback late in the first round. Two teams that are, their quarterbacks are aging. They should. You would think they should draft quarterbacks. I'm going to tell you why they should not. We're going to touch on the Celtics. We're gonna, there's one quarterback in this draft class. It's not Luke Falk, <laughs> even though everyone thinks I hate Luke Falk. There's one quarterback in this draft class I would not touch. You could not pay me to draft him. We're going to talk about the Ravens general manager, Andrew Luck. It's going to be a great, fantastic show. Yeah, I'm fired up. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on YouTube. You can find it everywhere. You can find podcast services and help me grow this channel by telling your friends about this show. Tell, share it on Facebook. Tell your friends about it on Reddit, on Twitter, on Instagram, whatever it is. Maybe it's face to face. Hey, there's this goofy guy. He wears striped shirts. I think it's because he's gaining weight. He doesn't want people to realize. I think, I think, I think stripes are slimming, correct? I don't know. But tell your friends about this show and help me grow. All right. There is a silly notion in sports, in the sports world, in the NFL world, that USC quarterbacks cannot play in the NFL. I get this comment all the time. Sam Darnold is going to suck in the NFL because he's a USC quarterback and USC quarterbacks. They just can't win in the NFL. Oh, you know, I, I think there is a reason for this belief. And I will, I'll tell you why I think people believe that later. But first, I want to disprove the theory. I want to tell you why it doesn't matter that Sam Darnold's a USC quarterback. So where did all the best quarterbacks in the NFL go? You know, clearly, if, if USC is not a quarterback school... There must be certain schools that are quarterback schools. Like, what, what school out there is just pumping out quarterback after quarterback after quarterback? What school is it? Oh, oh, that, that's right. There, there isn't one. There isn't a single college program that just pumps out NFL quarterbacks. That's because NFL quarterbacks are really rare. You know how hard it is to find a Pro Bowl franchise quarterback? They are few and far between. They just don't happen very often. I mean, you can make an argument. I think, honestly, the best quarterbacks come from the Big Ten. That's just what I've seen over the years. But let's look at it. Ben Roethlisberger went to the University of Miami, Ohio. Drew Brees went to Purdue. Russell Wilson went to, well, NC State and then Wisconsin. Tom Brady went to Michigan. I don't know. Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz went to North Dakota State. Now, oh, well, Cal clearly, Cal is the team that just pumps out quarterback after quarterback because Cal has two starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Ooh, Aaron Rodgers and Jared Goff. The point is, great quarterbacks are really rare. There's no school out there that just is repeatedly throwing out quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. And let's look at, in the past 25 years, let's look at this. So, the top four quarterbacks in this year's draft class, I'll even say the top five. The top four come from USC, Oklahoma, Wyoming, UCLA, and Louisville. In the top, in the last 25 years, in the last 25 years, what quarterbacks have these colleges put out? Because, you know, it must, be, it must be just USC, right? Well, uh, in the last 25 years, USC's put out Carson Palmer. And uh, a, lot, a couple duds, fine. But the great quarterback in the last 25 years... From USC is Carson Palmer. Now, Oklahoma, who do they have? They must have some great quarterbacks. Well, uh, they have Sam Bradford. Yeah, Sam Bradford. I mean, does he, has he panned out? Not really. 
Well, they did have Troy Aikman. Oh, oh no, no, my bad. Troy Aikman transferred. <laughs> Troy Aikman, he did go to Oklahoma, but he transferred to UCLA. So there you go. UCLA has one guy. UCLA has a, a, a Pro Bowl Hall of Fame quarterback in the last 25 years. Or is it? Is that 25? No, it's not because he came. He, he was there in the 80s, so that's not even the last 25 years. Okay, well, uh, Wyoming. Wyoming has to have. No, Wyoming's never had a, a great NFL quarterback. How about Louisville? Well, they have, they have Teddy Bridgewater. Louisville's great quarterback in their history is Teddy Bridgewater. Okay, okay that's, that's really not much. I guess, I guess that's cool, you know? But you know what, school? You know, I, I figured it out. You know what? One school must be a quarterback factory. <laughs> it's Eastern Illinois. Yeah, Eastern Illinois. They have Tony Romo and Jimmy Garoppolo. So they clearly, I mean, they have two quarterbacks in the last 25 years. They're just pumping guy after guy after guy into the NFL. Oh, oh, my bad. And Cal. You know, the two quarterback powerhouses in the in the world are University of California, Berkeley, and Eastern Illinois. Because they, they have a lowly two quarterbacks in the last 25 years. God, it's so stupid to say Sam Darnold won't make it simply because he went to USC. That's just silly. That's silly talk. And, and you know, here's what I get. I get all these comments. Well, you know why USC is not a team. And here's what every argument starts with. Everybody who says Sam Darnold won't make it because he went to USC and they try to go on these long tangents about how USC quarterbacks never make it. Their opening statement is always this. Well, I know they have Carson Palmer, but Carson Palmer isn't really legit. Carson Palmer never won a Super Bowl. Come on. If you have to start your argument with a rebuttal, you already lost. What if I, I don't know, what if I said that you know, you shouldn't wear t-shirts. And I said, I know t-shirts are great, but you should, well, no, you already lost. I said, you know, I know t-shirts are great on warm days, but you really shouldn't wear, well, no, you, if you start your argument with a rebuttal rather than a really strong argument, you've already lost the argument. It drives me nuts. It's funny, you know, if you look at Carson Palmer, he's really not a terrible, I mean, dare I say, he's a pretty good quarterback. I mean, think about this. He's 12th all time in yards. He's the 12th quarterback all-time in passing touchdowns. In fact, he's ahead of Warren Moon, Dan Fouts, Joe Montana. He's, he's the 11th most completions ever in NFL history. He's ahead of, in fact, the only people ahead of Carson Palmer on the all-time lists, every single one of them is a Hall of Famer or will be a Hall of Famer. I think, I think uh, Aaron Rodgers and Big Ben might be ahead of him on some of them. The point is, and, and then you criticize Carson Palmer for never winning a Super Bowl. How about Dan Marino or Dan Fouts? I think I understand why Carson Palmer's not a Hall of Famer. I don't think he is either, but he's a, he's a great quarterback. And how dare you say great quarterbacks never come from USC because that's a huge, huge slam on Carson Palmer. So, so why do people always say, you know, USC quarterbacks, they just cannot win in the NFL. Where does this notion come from? It comes from Matt Leinert, Mark Sanchez, and Matt Barkley. That's why. That's why people believe what they believe. I understand. Matt Leinert was a bust. I have no defense. I have no defense for Matt Leinert. He just couldn't figure it out. For whatever reason, Matt Leinert could not figure it out in the NFL. And then Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez was the fifth overall pick. And he was okay for a couple of years, and then he fizzled out too. And because Matt Leinert... And Mark Sanchez didn't become these great all-time quarterbacks. 
we have this notion that USC quarterbacks can never make it. Matt Barkley was never considered a great NFL quarterback. And if you honestly watched, I, I wish I'd been a broadcaster back then because I could have told you watching Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez doesn't have the arm strength. He came out as a junior. He, I, I just never thought Mark Sanchez was that great when you watched him in college. I remember growing up, but I didn't have a voice back then to put it out there. So do not hold Matt Leinart, Mark Sanchez, and Matt Barkley against Sam Darnold. That is just silly. Yeah, I have a story, by the way. I, I, I listened to a video. I, I heard some Sam Darnold high school coach talk about Sam Darnold. And by the way, I've met Sam Darnold. The dude is, he's like a solid brick wall. The guy has so much poise, it is unbelievable. But here's a story. If you don't believe it, let me tell you this story. Clay Helton, the USC head coach, was coming to visit Sam Darnold in high school. He was going to come watch Sam Darnold play a high school game. And the head coach, and this happens often. We see when a coach comes to watch players, I, this happened to me when I played, I watched some guys, they would fold. When, when you, I don't think I fold. In fact, my college coaches were there. I was high-fiving them, scoring touchdowns. I, I was really proud of that. But I remember watching college coaches would come watch guys in high school. And some guys, some receivers would just, they'd fold. They couldn't handle the pressure. And that's a high pressure situation. Your college coach that's recruiting you is going to come watch you play. Ooh, right? Or some people don't like that pressure. Here's a stat line for Sam Darnold in that game. Just at halftime. At halftime, USC's head coach is watching Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold was 12 for 12. 185 yards passing and five touchdowns. Yeah, I have that memorized. <laughs> I, it. That's at halftime. I don't even know how the game ended. I just know those stats at halftime. That's unbelievable. 12 for 12, 185 yards, five touchdowns, not even a flinch. No pressure to him. He doesn't care. If you know, Sam Darnold is the best quarterback in this year's draft class. I will die on that hill. I will never back down from that. Sam Darnold is the best quarterback in this draft class, bar none. I mean, look, Baker Mayfield, we have concerns. Josh Allen. He, dude, is so inaccurate, he can't hit the broadside of a barn. Josh Rosen, he gets injured. I don't really mind his personality. It's fine. Baker Mayfield's personality concerns me more, to be honest. But, guys, Sam Darnold, he fumbles? So put two hands on the ball when you run. Don't run with one hand on the ball. It's not that hard. Sam Darnold is the best quarterback in this year's draft class. I will die on that hill. I will say that till I am blue in the face. All right. I, I have an interesting thought, and it's probably part one of a debate that'll go on for a couple episodes. This is not, you know, I don't know. I don't know about this. But I have, I have a question for you, the audience. It's one for me. I need to answer it. I still don't really have an answer yet. I have a theory. But if Saquon Barkley falls in the NFL draft, if he falls all the way to the ninth overall pick, should the 49ers draft him? And I have good news, by the way. I think there's no way in hell this happens. I, I just don't. Because I don't want to make that decision. The decision for me is between a linebacker or Saquon Barkley, if that happens. I think we'll never have to make that decision. Because I think there's no way Tampa Bay Buccaneers would pass on Saquon Barkley if he fell that far in the NFL draft. Did I say Sam Darnold? I meant Saquon Barkley. If Saquon Barkley fell to the ninth overall pick, would the 49ers draft him? And the decision was further complicated by the news today that, uh, I don't know how to put this, that Reuben Foster has been, he, he, Reuben Foster was accused of three new things. We learned that today. That made this even more complicated. Because now the, the, the 49ers 
definitely need a linebacker because we don't know if Ruben Foster is going to come back. And there was a commenter on YouTube. He said something I loved. I wish I had his name. I couldn't find it before the show. This commenter said something I thought was so, so right. He said, the, the 49ers need to build a team that can beat the Rams. You need to draft a linebacker so you can stop Todd Gurley. That's right. I, I think that's totally correct. The responsible thing to do is to draft a linebacker, whether it's Trumaine Edmonds or Roquan Smith. I'm happy with either one. I don't care. Whichever one's a better leader is the guy I want. I, I kind of lean towards Trumaine Edwards or Edmonds. But either one, get a linebacker. That's what the 49ers' big need is. But I will say this. You got your franchise quarterback. You got your fantastic offensive head coach. He's a genius. And Saquon Barkley is this crazy weapon on the table. And if he's sitting there just looking right at you, how do you not take him? And we, it's coming down to the Saquon Barkley argument. Really comes down to luxury versus responsibility. Do you want to be responsible and pick the best, smartest pick? Or do you take Saquon Barkley as kind of a luxury? Because the 49ers have two running backs. They have Joe Williams. They have Jarek McKinnon. And Jarek McKinnon, I think, is a poor man Saquon Barkley. He's really good at catching, similar to Saquon is. He's fast. He can run outside zone. And the 49ers, if they drafted Saquon Barkley, they would have three quality running backs, which I do like. It would actually be really nice to have three quality running backs. I and mean, here's what that would do. You can mix and match. You can put them in. You can rotate them, which is really, really good. It would make all of their careers last probably two years longer because they would all equally take less hits. So I don't know, man. I'm, I'm really curious what you guys think. Do you take a linebacker or do you take Saquon Barkley? I, again, I would probably take a linebacker. I'm pretty boring. I stay in my room on weekends. I don't go out very often. I'm a boring person. I'm going to go with a boring, responsible draft pick. But man, I mean, a, a fireworks show like Saquon Barkley just sitting there waiting for you. What do you do? I mean, maybe you trade back. Honestly, that's maybe the best way to go about it. Because there's got to be someone out there who really wants Saquon Barkley. And you can build that narrative. And you can trade out and probably still get Roquan Smith or Tremaine Edmonds. But I don't know. I, I don't know if... Would you draft Saquon Barkley? If you're the 49ers and he fell to you in the ninth overall pick, would you draft him? All right, I had a commenter. Um, I forget his name. Something Cummings. Cool guy. I don't know. I liked his comments. He said some good stuff in the past. He commented that the Cleveland Browns, this guy commented that the Cleveland Browns should draft Saquon Barkley number one overall. Bradley Chubb with the fourth overall pick and then eventually find a way to move back into the first round and draft Lamar Jackson. Let me repeat that again. This guy commented, the Browns should draft Saquon Barkley one, Bradley Chubb with the fourth pick, and then trade back into the first round to get Lamar Jackson. <sighs> man, oh man, I, I don't understand people. Do you not get it? Like, Do you not understand how valuable a quarterback is? This that roster's that idea is fantastic on Madden. Like that that team on paper is unbelievable. I and I believe in Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, I think, is going to be a good NFL quarterback. But if you have an opportunity to get a quarterback and you don't take it, ugh, that would be so so stupid. 
I know the argument is, well, we have Tyrod Taylor and Tyrod Taylor and Lamar Jackson. They fit really well. They can run the exact same offense. They're both mobile quarterbacks. I want to remind you guys of something. Remember when the, because surprises happen all the time in the NFL draft. I remember I was a Viking. I grew up in Minnesota for a little while. At one point in my life, I was a Vikings fan. My I had, my dad would yell, still to this day, no matter what football game we're watching, by the way, if a team scores a touchdown, my go, dad goes, touchdown, Vikings! And you're like, dad, we're watching the Patriots and the Packers. What are you doing? <laughs> but that's what my dad does. And I will never forget when the Vikings shocked the world by drafting Christian Ponder. And the point of that is to say, not that not to compare Christian Ponder and Lamar Jackson. The point of that is to say that you never know who's going to take a quarterback. And if you're the Browns and you don't take a quarterback in the first pick or the fourth pick, you have lost your dang mind. And I think you'd better pick a quarterback with the first pick. If you have a chance to pick a quarterback and you don't take it, you're like, oh, we'll just wait till later. We'll get a guy later. There's no sure bets. There's no guarantee anybody's going to be available later. And there's no guarantee you can trade back up. So Hey, that's a great idea. Lamar Jackson, Saquon, and Bradley Chubb. That's a good idea on paper, but that is such a bad idea. It's a, I, I just, I would never take a risk like that. If there's something you need and you're like, oh, we'll get them later. That's just not, not smart. You need a quarterback to win in the NFL. All right. Uh, I'm going to insert myself into the NBA rookie of the year debate. It's going to be fun. It's really come down to Ben Simmons or Donovan Mitchell. There are these two guys, two rookies, that are they're head and shoulders above everybody else. And there's this deep, deep-rooted debate between a lot of people. Is it Ben Simmons? Is it Donovan Mitchell? And I think it's a very interesting debate. And when I, when I first did the research for this topic, I thought for sure what I was going to find was that I was going to find valuable. Donovan Mitchell was going to be more valuable to his team And I thought for sure Ben Simmons was going to have better stats. Because right now the narrative is, oh, Ben Simmons, of course Ben Simmons is the rookie of the year. Everybody believes without a shadow of a doubt. Everyone thinks it's absolutely clear that Ben Simmons should be the rookie of the year. And I don't get it. I don't understand why. I I really don't. I mean, you look at Ben Simmons' stats and they're, they're really not that great. When I look at their stats, when I compare the stats of Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons, a lot of things step out. Here's what's most fascinating to me. They play about the same minutes per game. They both play about 33 minutes per game. Here's an overwhelmingly alarming stat. Ben Simmons cannot, cannot shoot threes at all. He's 0 for 11 on the season and in 81 games, Ben Simmons played 81 games, and in 81 games, he's never hit a three-pointer. He's never once hit a three-pointer. Ben Simmons can't shoot. I mean, here's, here's an interesting stat. So the field goal percentage for Ben Simmons is 54% versus Donovan Mitchell's 43%. But Ben Simmons is just making layups. He's clearly not shooting. He's shot 11 three-pointers on the year. The year! And Donovan Mitchell's a better scorer. Donovan Mitchell has... 1,616 points versus Ben Simmons' 1,279 points. Donovan Mitchell has almost 400 more points, and he started fewer games. Ben Simmons started 
81 games. Donovan Mitchell started 71. And Donovan Mitchell only played in 79 games. Donovan Mitchell, this is his first year in the NBA. Now, Ben Simmons, this is his second year in the NBA, but because he was hurt last year, it's technically his first year playing. And I think there's this, there's been this really, really funny narrative, like back and forth between Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell wore a sweatshirt before a game the other day. It had the definition of rookie. And the definition of a rookie is an athlete playing his or her first season as a member of a professional sports team. So technically, that also includes Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons didn't play a single game last year. Technically, on paper, Ben Simmons is still a rookie. However, Ben Simmons was around for a whole year before. He played in the spring, in the summer league. He did get NBA reps, and he had a year to observe and see what the NBA is like. So when you ask me, what's more impressive, Donovan Mitchell or Ben Simmons? I, I go with Donovan Mitchell for a couple reasons. First of all, Donovan Mitchell plays in the West, the extremely competitive West. And Donovan Mitchell took his team to 48 and 34 in the incredibly, incredibly competitive West. Now, Donovan Mitchell might have one of the best coaches in the NBA, but Philadelphia is in the East, the Eastern Conference. They went 52 and 30. So the Philadelphia 76ers won four more games than the Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz are in a tougher division, and Donovan Mitchell is basically by himself. Don't forget, this is this is what really make, is funny to me. Don't forget that Ben Simmons has Joel Embiid. Ben Simmons has another fantastic all-star level player next to him. Donovan Mitchell does not. Donovan Mitchell, they're both 21 years old. Donovan Mitchell's got a, he shoots 80% from the free throw line. Ben Simmons shoots 56%. Basically, Donovan Mitchell's a scoring machine. Ben Simmons is an assist rebounding machine that also can score when he wants to, but he cannot shoot. Ben Simmons has fewer points. Ben Simmons has literally a zero three-point percentage. He can't shoot. I don't know. The, the statistical categories that Ben Simmons leads in are assists and rebounds. And so I was expecting to look at the stats and find that Ben Simmons' stats were overwhelmingly better than Donovan Mitchell, and that's not what I found. In fact, I found that in many stats, Donovan Mitchell's better. And so this narrative that it's without a shadow of a doubt Ben Simmons' rookie of the year to lose seems silly to me. Is it the guy that you like the most, or is it the actual most valuable, most impressive rookie? Because I, I would argue, not only is Donovan Mitchell the most valuable player to his team, but he's the most impressive rookie in this year's NBA, even including Ben Simmons, who kind of barely technically by definition is a rookie, but really it's his second year in the NBA. So by definition, technically he's a rookie, but I don't know. I think Donovan Mitchell impresses me the most. He got a team to 48 wins in the ultra competitive Western Conference. He did not have a lot of help. He had a great coach, but he scored more points per game, more total points, had a better free throw percentage. Had an actual, literally, there's not a single stat that Ben Simmons has for a three-point percentage because he only shot 11 on the year and he was 0 for 11. Donovan Mitchell's more impressive to me. In my opinion, Donovan Mitchell is the rookie of the year. Now, here's what I don't like. I don't want Donovan Mitchell to win on a technicality. Donovan Mitchell's wearing sweatshirts that say, he's technically in his second year. No, no, no. You want to win because you 
unanimously won. You don't want to win on some silly argument. Oh, technically, he's not quite a rookie. You don't want to win that way. And even though I believe Donovan Mitchell is the rookie of the year, there is an argument I do not like. There's an argument in favor of Donovan Mitchell that says this. People are saying, well, Ben Simmons is going to run the NBA. Ben Simmons is going to have all kinds of, you know, MVP awards and do all this stuff. And we got to share the wealth. We got to give Donovan Mitchell some credit while we still can, because eventually Ben Simmons is going to run the NBA. That is ridiculous. That's participation trophy crap. If you earn it, you get it. If you don't earn it, you don't get it. I'm not going to find any, oh, well, you know, Donovan Mitchell's not going to win as much in his career, so we should give it to Ben Simmons. No, 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 no. In my opinion, Donovan Mitchell is the rookie of the year because he's the most impressive rookie. He did it in the Western Conference with not a lot of help. He scores more points per game. He can actually shoot threes. He's got a better free throw percentage, and he scored more points on the season. I think he's more valuable to his team because he doesn't have any help. Therefore, Donovan Mitchell is the rookie of the year because he's the most impressive rookie in this year's NBA. What do you think? Tell me because I'm curious. All right. The last thing I want to talk about before we go to break, we have we have a lot of stuff ahead. I really do. I mean, I, I have so much to say today. This this podcast just like flew out of me. I mean, I prepared this podcast in like four hours, like just like three, four hours. So it was like, bam, bam. I was done. I knew exactly what I wanted to say. And I got it out. I mean, I, it's funny. I hope you know that the key to doing a podcast like this, if you ever want to do broadcasting someday, take my advice, write every single day. I mean, I I took a day off. I didn't mean to. I'm getting murdered in school right now. I mean, I have all A's and B's, but I'm, I'm just working my butt off. But I write 30 to 40 pages every single day. I just sit down and I write exactly what I think. I, I write in complete sentences. I talk to myself. I sit over there and I write looking outside of my window for 30 to 40 pages. That way when I do a podcast, I'm like, you know what? I know I know what I wrote about yesterday. I'm going to just take all what I wrote about, put it into little short bullet points and get it out. So that's my advice. If you ever want to do a show, just write a ton every single day. All right. <clears throat> Bryce Harper, without a shadow of a doubt. It's not even close. Bryce Harper is my favorite baseball player in the major leagues. Right now, Bryce Harper leads baseball in home runs. Bryce Harper has six home runs in 13 games. He had kind of a bad night. His uh, his batting average dropped from 316 to, I think, 240-something or 253 or something. That's what's interesting to me is I love Bryce Harper so much that I follow his batting percentage. He's the only player in the MLB that I really pay attention to. I love, love, love Bryce Harper. Today, Bryce Harper yelled at an umpire. It was really funny. He didn't agree with a, a strike two call. He struck out. And then a minute later, he's like, that's still a ball. That, that should not have been a strike. And he, I, I just, I love that. He's passionate. He cares. He's interesting to watch. Now, here's a story I want to tell you guys about Bryce Harper. This, in a nutshell, is why Bryce Harper is my favorite player in all of baseball. As a pitcher's winding up to throw, the pitcher's arm is moving back. He's getting ready to throw a baseball. He's getting ready to pitch the ball to Bryce Harper. As the pitcher winds up, a man in the stands yells, Overrated! You're overrated! He yells, You are overrated. And this is in Cincinnati. In April, it's cold in Cincinnati in April. There's nobody in the stands for the Cincinnati Reds-Washington Nationals baseball game. What that means is 
You can hear everything. Without a shadow of a doubt, Bryce Harper heard this guy yell, overrated, you're overrated. I mean, you can hear it on the TV copy. So as this pitcher winds up to throw, his arm is moving backwards. A guy yells, overrated. Bryce Harper, on the pitch, hits a home run. It was like, in the span of two seconds, pitcher winds up, guy yells, overrated. Bryce Harper hits a home run. And Bryce Harper hit two home runs in that game. That, oh, the moxie, the spunk. I mean, just imagine. Some guy says, you suck, and you prove him wrong the minute he says you suck. I I love that so much. I think that's hilarious and fantastic. That is why I love Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper hits home runs. He's got a personality. We need more of that in baseball. Baseball's kind of like golf. I mean, who, who won the Masters? I didn't care. Some guy I've never heard of. I don't care. He's like... Some boring guy in a sweater vest. I just don't care. I need more guys yelling. I want Tiger Woods. I want Bryce Harper. I want people that have personality, that yell, that have anger, that are interesting. Right now, the only reason I watch baseball in April is Bryce Harper, Shuhei Otani, and John Carlos Stanton. Even though John Carlos Stanton is kind of stinking it up, I want personality. I want anger. I want a reason to watch. I don't know why we don't embrace people like Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper has a lot of haters. A lot of people don't like Bryce Harper. What you don't realize is Bryce Harper's good for baseball. He's, again, the only person in the entire major leagues whose batting percentage I watch, I track, and I pay attention to. The only reason I watch baseball in April, right now, early in the year, until October, the only reason I'll watch baseball is because of Bryce Harper, Shuhei Otani, and John Carlos Stanton. All right. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. When... I return. We are going to talk all about, if I can find my notes somewhere in here, one of these freaking pages has what I'm going to talk about. We're going to talk a lot about, ah, wing it, I know. We're going to talk about, I have a hunch for the Patriots. There is a a thing, I have this gut feeling about the Patriots and I'm not a gut feeling guy. I'm going to talk about that. I'm really, really fascinated. We're going to talk a lot about the Celtics. I had a comment. I try to talk about the Celtics. If you comment, you want me to talk about something, I will talk about it. There's a guy in the NFL draft, a quarterback in the NFL draft who is so alarming, you could not pay me to draft this guy. I, if you paid me money, I would not draft the quarterback I'm going to talk about coming up ahead. And there are two teams in the NFL, two teams that will need quarterbacks very, very soon, that I would tell them, do not draft a quarterback, not in the first round. There's rumors, there's speculations, we see all these mock drafts. There are two teams that I... With aging quarterbacks, with guys who really do, they should draft a quarterback this year, but they should not draft a quarterback in the first round. I will tell you why. My name is Zach Schaumler. You can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube, as well as my best, most interesting clips. Tell your friends about this show if you want to help me grow. You can find, you can share it on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, whatever it is. Help me grow strong opinion sports by telling your friends about this show. My name is Zach Schaumler. I will be right back. Woo! All right, we are back. I got to ask you the question. Do you brush your tongue when you brush your teeth? Because I do, and I don't know if that's normal. I mean, that's, I, I floss three times a day. I brush my tongue. I just don't know if you guys do that too, and I'm very curious I got to say, I don't like emotional arguments. They, they drive me nuts. I get comments all the time like, Luke Falk is the best quarterback in this year's NFL draft. And I'm, I'm like, why? Why do, you, why do you believe what you believe? 
where I get comments, you know, the Browns are going to win Super Bowl 54. And I'm, gonna, I'm like, how? And why do you believe that? See, I always try to give you guys a reason for why I believe what I believe. Because I just don't do that. I'm okay with, I'll listen to you. If you, ha- if you comment something and you hate what I have to say and you give me a, a, a reason for why you believe it, even if it's, I'm not going to judge whether it's a good reason or a bad reason. I mean, maybe I will on my show, but if you give me a reason, I'll listen, I'll read. But if you just yell things at me, I don't want to listen to that. And yet I'm going to break my own rule. I'm going to tell you guys something that I don't really have a good reason for. It's just a gut feeling. And I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know what to do with that because I don't like that. I have a gut feeling that the New England Patriots are going to go out and somehow, some way, they're going to get Lamar Jackson. I don't know if they trade up. I don't know if he falls to them. I just feel like after April 26th, we're going to walk away from them having Lamar Jackson. And, and I've, I kind of got scared into sharing this because there's been reports recently that the Patriots are very interested in Lamar Jackson and Tom Brady commented on him today. And I felt this way. I've been watching. Maybe it's just because I've been watching film of Lamar Jackson for weeks and weeks But because I, I, I'm preparing this giant long thing about him. But I, I just I have this gut feeling the Patriots, I think, could go for him. So I'm going to do my best to try to explain how this would work and why maybe it would work. But the stem from is I don't really have a good reason. I just, it's just a gut feeling. I remember years ago when the Seahawks drafted Russell Wilson before the draft, I told my dad, Hey dad, the Seahawks are going to draft Russell Wilson. He's going to beat up Matt Flynn and be their starting quarterback. And I didn't have a platform back then. I didn't have any way to share my opinions. So I didn't, no one knew that except for my dad, but my dad did give me $5 for that wager. I'm doing that now. I don't want to miss that opportunity. I just have this gut feeling that I don't know why. I just I believe the Patriots are going to go get Lamar Jackson. I've been watching a ton of film on Lamar Jackson, and I just he's this guy. First of all, what do the Patriots do? What do the Patriots always do? The Patriots always find value in players where others don't. Rex Burkhead, Danny Woodhead, Chris Hogan, over and over and over again, we see the Patriots find value where other people do not. I think it's very possible the Patriots might have Lamar Jackson, one of the highest rated quarterbacks in this draft class, because there's a thing Lamar Jackson does that nobody else could do, that we've seen Russell Wilson beat the Patriots with. We've seen Deshaun Watson beat the Patriots this way. Lamar Jackson has an ability to turn a bad play into a big gain. He can turn a six-yard loss, a sack, into a big 30-yard gain. And not to mention, so I think Bill Belichick's attracted to that. Just imagine evil genius Bill Belichick with a guy like Lamar Jackson. Oh, that's scary. It's terrifying. Can you imagine that? A guy with that ability that Lamar Jackson has to run and move. My guess is as a defensive coach, Bill Belichick watches what Lamar Jackson does and says, nobody can stop that. We can teach him how to throw him because Lamar Jackson has a good deep ball. The guy can throw. I mean, I, I've been watching him for days and days and days trying to prepare a big segment. I'm going to do a big film breakdown of Lamar Jackson. And man, I think, I think Bill Belichick watches tape of Lamar Jackson and says, I don't know how to stop that, and that's why I want him. I don't, and he's a Patriots kind of guy. Lamar Jackson has a personality that fits the Patriots. He does his job. He's humble. He's quiet. He's a really respectful guy. I, I think he's a great guy, honestly. And I think he's a guy that Bill Belichick would want to work with. I just see it. I mean, I, I think Lamar Jackson sits for a year or two behind Tom Brady, gets ready. And you got to remember, the Patriots don't have a left tackle right now. 
maybe the Patriots left tackle is awful next year. Tom Brady gets hurt. And then you need a mobile quarterback. Lamar Jackson works. I'm just trying to rationalize my crazy, weird belief that my, my gut feeling I can't explain. But the truth is, I want to see Lamar Jackson with either the Pittsburgh Steelers or the New England Patriots. Because the guy can play. Lamar Jackson can absolutely play football at an NFL level. And I think he does things that you just can't stop. And if you can refine his passing skills, if you can take the time and teach the guy, my God, he's, he's a really scary guy. And I, I think Bill Belichick wants to work with a guy like Lamar Jackson. I could see Lamar Jackson not only with the Patriots, but being very successful with the Patriots. I hope that happens to God. I hope that happens. I, in fact, honestly, I would rather see Lamar Jackson with the Patriots than Sam Darnold because Lamar Jackson's exciting and fun. And it'd be hard to hate. It would be hard to hate the Patriots if they had Lamar Jackson. Because right now, everyone hates Tom Brady. It's easy to hate Sam Darnold. I think it's because he's a USC stereotypical. How do you hate a guy like Lamar Jackson? Just the, And not that Sam Darnold's not humble. But Lamar Jackson is the epitome of humble. I think it just do wondrous things for the Patriots. And I really, really hope Lamar Jackson goes to the New England Patriots. Now, I talked about how I really believe that the Patriots can go get Lamar Jackson late in the first round or whenever in the first round. I hope they do. There are two teams that should not draft a quarterback in the first round of the NFL draft, even though they need a quarterback. These two teams are the Pittsburgh Steelers and the New Orleans Saints. I believe these guys have aging quarterbacks. Ben Roethlisberger is getting old. Drew Brees is not getting any younger. They both have a need for a quarterback in the future. And I believe the Patriots, if they have a chance, should draft a quarterback in the, the late first round. Why do I believe that they sh- the Patriots should and the Saints and the Steelers should not? Because the Saints and the Steelers, they need a quarterback very soon. But the, the Saints and the Steelers both have a shot at a Super Bowl next year. You should not waste a draft pick that's not going to play and help you next year. Again, the Steelers and the Saints, they have a great, great opportunity to go and win a Super Bowl. In fact, I think the Patriots might have a down year. I would not waste a first-round draft pick on a quarterback who will not play for two, three years, maybe. What are you going to draft Mason Rudolph? Kyle Laletta? They're not going to play. They don't help you in in a shot to go and win a Super Bowl. Do not. If you're the Steelers... In the Saints, please do not waste a first-round draft pick on a quarterback. Go get a guy who can contribute and help you win a Super Bowl. Because, again, the Steelers and the Saints both have an opportunity, a chance, a window next year to go get a quarterback. Now, I feel differently about Lamar Jackson. If the Saints or the Steelers can get Lamar Jackson, take it right away. But I don't think he's going to fall that far. There's no way he falls to 27th and what are the Steelers off 28th or something. Do not, whatever you do, if do not pass up Lamar Jackson if you have an opportunity to draft him in the late first round. I would not do it. But if you don't get Lamar Jackson, please don't draft Mason Rudolph, Kyle Lalletta. Draft a corner, draft a linebacker, draft a tight end. If you're the Saints or the Steelers, draft a guy, draft a player who can help you and contribute to your team. Get Play meaningful minutes and help you win a Super Bowl. Because the Steelers and the Saints both have an opportunity, a very good window next year, where they could win a Super Bowl. And if they waste a first-round pick and get a guy that can't help them on that run, that would be silly. 
<clears throat> there's all these, it's all these talk. There's all this talk that there are these late round gems. There's these guys, you know, Kyle Laletta, Logan Woodside, Mike White. There's all these guys that you should draft late in the first round because they're guys that could turn into really good quarterbacks if you draft them in the fourth round. And every year there's, there's all these guys like this. You know, Matt McGloin has won at one point. There's all these, these quarterbacks late in the first round that they're, they're potentially, they're steals. They're the next Tom Brady. You're going to draft them late in the first round, late in the, the fourth, fifth, sixth round, and you can develop them and turn them into really good quarterbacks. Okay, there's one. I would not draft him if you paid me to draft him. I watched, because I watched a little bit of film on these guys. I'm curious. I'm watching film of Mike White. Do not, right away, I know, do not draft Mike White. I would stay far, far away from Mike White. I mean, he has a weaker arm. That's that's not the concern. But there is a major, major, major issue with Mike White. A, a problem that just terrifies me and completely scares me away from any and all quarterbacks I see who do this one thing. Mike White, the quarterback from Western Kentucky, does not like getting hit. And I know nobody likes getting hit, but he cannot handle pressure in his face. This is a big problem I had with Blaine Gabbert back in the day. Blaine Gabbert was coming out of Mizzou, and he would not step into throws. He would, like, fall away. Eli Manning is the best at this. Eli Manning, if, if a guy's coming right at Eli Manning, Eli Manning knows he's standing back there getting ready to throw a pass. Eli Manning knows he's going to get nailed. He's going to get annihilated as he throws the ball. And Eli Manning does not flinch. He steps into the pressure, steps into his throw, gets hit right in the chin, and still delivers a great pass. Eli Manning does not back down when someone's going to hit him. He steps into a throw, he gets nailed, and he throws good passes. Mike White, on the other hand, Mike White cringes away. Similar to shooting a, a fadeaway, Mike White kind of does like a fadeaway shot. He like pulls away, Mike White pulls away, and then tries to throw like a fadeaway pass. He doesn't put his body into it. That done deal right there. Stay away from Mike White. Mike White doesn't like pressure in his face. And in the NFL, you're going to get hit in the chin as you throw all the time. And Mike White, remember, Mike White's playing his teams like Florida Atlantic. Mike White, look at the tape of Mike White versus Florida Atlantic. He makes good throws, but he's not stepping into his throws. And these are not NFL caliber defensive ends. These are not big NFL linebackers. These are Florida Atlantic linebackers. That is very scary. I don't mean to trash on Mike White. He seems like a good person. He probably is, right? He's probably a nice guy. But this trade about Mike White, this, this inability to step into pressure, to not step up when you're going to get hit in the face, that is... I'm done. I'm, I'm not going to draft Mike White. You could not pay me money to draft Mike White because that does not translate to the NFL. If you don't step into pressure, if you're not willing to get hit in the face as you throw, I'm not going to draft you. So fair warning to you. I would not draft Mike White at all. In all seven rounds, I'm not going to pick up and draft the Western Kentucky quarterback, Mike White. I mean, no offense either. Like, please, I, I, I'm not trying to, I don't hate the guy. I'm not trying to trash him. I just, I've seen this thing. I've been watching football my whole life. That's a scary, scary thing. I probably shouldn't use my whole life. I'm going to get trashed for being young. You're a baby, Zach. Okay, fine, whatever. But I just, it scares me. Okay, I, I miss some comments, but I do really try. 
I try to hear what you guys have to say and talk about things you guys want. That's why I love what we do. I, I love YouTube better than any other platform because I can talk one-to-one. I can comment directly to you guys. You guys can DM me on Instagram. I don't use Twitter. It's just not my thing. Facebook sometimes. If you want to get a hold of me, find me on Instagram. You can direct message me. I'll answer you. I, I enjoy that a lot. But I got a comment the other day saying, hey, can you talk about the Celtics? I feel like no one's talking about the Celtics. Of course I can do that. That's the point of YouTube. That's why we do it this way. That's why I don't ever want to work for Fox or ESPN. I like the ability to talk directly to you guys. I know I missed some. There was one about Baker Mayfield a while ago. I still haven't gotten to that. I apologize to that guy if you're out there listening. I'll get to it. I'm sorry. But I, but I do do my best to listen to you guys' feedback and do topics you guys want me to talk about. So I want to talk about the Boston Celtics and their chances in the NBA playoffs. I, I honestly believe that the Celtics are done. Like their, their playoff seat run is over. But I do think there's some good stuff that's going to come out of Kyrie Irving's injury. First of all, what's going to happen? So Kyrie Irving's done. He's out for the year. I think he's actually going to come back healthier. Because Kyrie Irving wasn't really fully healthy anyways at the end of the year. We found out he was having problems, and I think it's better that Kyrie Irving goes away, fully recovers, and is ready for next year's NBA season. However, the Celtics and the Bucket, the, the Bucks still are going to play a very, very interesting NBA playoff series, and I think it's actually quite watchable. It's really good. We're going to learn a lot of things. We're going to learn first about Giannis. Everyone tells me how great Giannis, the Greek freak, is. If he can't beat the Celtics in the playoffs... I'm not buying him at all. But I do think the benefit of Kyrie Irving being out is it affects Jason Tatum in a good way, in a really good way. Jason Tatum, the rookie for the Boston Celtics, is going to get meaningful minutes. He's going to play a lot in this playoff series. And he's going to have, without Kyrie, it's just him and Al Horford, basically. I mean, Marcus Smart. No, Marcus Smart's out. Regardless, the playoff experience that Mark that. Jason Tatum is going to get in the NBA playoffs is really, really beneficial. Without Kyrie, Gordon Hayward's out. They're going to have to rely on it, get more on Jason Tatum, and it's going to be good for him. It's going to push him. It's going to make him a better player for next year. So I think, I think, and I believe the Celtics are in great shape for next year. You're going to have year two of Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum's going to have more experience. He's going to have played an NBA playoff series. So that won't, you know, it's not going to be a big deal to him anymore. He's going to be like, been there, done that. This is who the Celtics are going to have next year. Kyrie Irving's coming back. And Kyrie Irving, I believe, is going to be healthier than ever because he's going to have months to recover, to take off. I mean, he hasn't had a break in a long time. He played back-to-back-to-back championships with the Cavaliers. Kyrie Irving finally gets a break. He gets to get his legs back. Kyrie Irving's going to be back and better than ever next season. They're also going to have Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward will be back for the Celtics and hopefully better than ever. The Celtics are going to have Al Horford back. And again, year two with Jason Tatum. Not to mention, Marcus Smart's coming back. Jalen Brown's pretty good. I really believe next year is the Celtics' Eastern Conference to lose. regardless of whether LeBron James leaves or not, the Celtics are going to be the best team next year in the Eastern Conference. And I really, really, really believe that the Celtics are going to dominate the East for years to come. Screw the Raptors. Screw Giannis and the Bucks. 
Maybe maybe the 76ers, that'll be a really fun rivalry. Like Boston and Philadelphia, I could not pick two cities I would rather have be in a rivalry. Maybe New York and Boston. But man, Boston and Philadelphia, the 76ers and the Celtics are just going to go at it for years and years to come. And I think the Celtics ultimately are a better team. And they're going to step on the neck of the 76ers. So even though... Even though Kyrie Irving is gone, even though he's out for the year, and it looks pretty bleak for the Celtics in the playoffs, I think it's a blessing in disguise. I saw an article, I'm not trying to steal from that guy, but Jason Tatum is going to get more minutes, and this is my thoughts, not his. Jason Tatum is going to get more minutes, and it's going to push him to be a better player. Kyrie Irving can fully recover. He'll be better next year. And again, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown. Man, the Celtics are going to be impressive, and they will be scary next year. Two more topics left. Drink some water. I have always really respected longevity. Someone who stays at a job for a long time just absolutely impresses me. I respect that to no end. My friend's mom has been at a job for like 30 something years. And I always ask her for advice, ask her for tips. She is a consummate professional. And I I just think it's so impressive. Longevity is impressive. I mean, it's hard to get up every single day for 20 years. It's hard to get up every single day for 20 some years, maintain the same Quality level of work. Maintain that same drive to do a good job. That's hard. That's hard to do every single day, five days a week for 20, 30 years. Well, I want to tell you guys who Ozzy Newsome is. Ozzy Newsome has been the Ravens general manager since 2002. Talk about impressive. He has been with the Ravens since their inception in 1996. Yeah, I think Art Modell moved... I don't want to go into it. We all know what happened. The Ravens came to existence in 1996. And he's really been the general manager since 1996 because Ozzie Newsom and the Ravens between 1996 and 2001, Ozzie Newsom was the vice president of player personnel and the de facto general manager because there was not a general manager for the Ravens until 2002. So the entire time the Ravens have been a franchise, they've had one general manager, Ozzie Newsome. Let alone any accomplishments, I'm already so massively impressed and respecting of Ozzie Newsome because he's been there for 22 years, I think longer. He worked with Belichick before. He worked with the Browns and they were the Browns, then the Ravens. It's unbelievable. Look it up. I'm not going to get into the Ravens-Browns thing. I don't want to talk about it. So not to mention, he's been there for 22 years as the general manager for the Ravens. He has two Super Bowls. Ozzie Newsome, as a general manager for the Ravens, won a Super Bowl in 2001. And then again in 2013. The gap is the most impressive part because that means you were still able to do your job all those years later. You were still able to build a great roster and a good franchise. Ozzie Newsome is the guy who drafted Jonathan Ogden, Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, so many more. He found Joe Flacco from Delaware. I just want to give a tip of the cap. 2018, this next upcoming season, is Ozzie Newsome's last year 
as the general manager for the Ravens. He's done after the end of this year. I just, I think that's so impressive. I respect longevity. And a guy like Ozzie Newsome, that's unheard of in the NFL. To be there that long and be as successful as Ozzie Newsome has been for the Ravens, I just have the utmost respect and, and I, I'm in awe of Ozzie Newsome. Well done, man. I, I I would shake your hand. You're not here. You'll probably never talk to me or care about me. But Ozzie Newsome, I, I have nothing but respect for that man. That's unbelievable. Okay. We have one topic left. Oh, I, I found really surprising news. I, I was shocked when I heard the story. Like legitimately, when I, when I read this story, I was like, are you serious? I read the other day that Andrew Luck is still not throwing an NFL football. Oh my goodness. Are you, are you kidding me? It's April. Football starts in August. And you're still not ready to throw a football? He's been out, what, a year and a half? And then when asked about it, this is what Andrew Luck said. Andrew Luck said, I'm optimistic that I will be fine. He feels good. He thinks he's going to be fine. He's not even certain he'll be fine. Oh, oh my God. Are you kidding me? You think you're going to be fine? It's April and you're not throwing a football. I'm sorry. I, I know no one's freaking out. It's a real concern. Andrew Luck's injury is a real legitimate concern. And I am, oh, it's not good at all. It's April. And, and I will say that the fact that Andrew Luck is out there, he did an interview the other day. He did a, like a press conference. I, I think that's good news because I think if Andrew Luck, if they were terrified and panicking, they would probably not trot him out in front of the media, let him talk to people. But it could be the other thing. It could be maybe the Colts are panicking and they're putting him out there to try to make sure the fan base doesn't panic. Because, man, I, I am concerned. If anybody thinks that the Colts should draft Saquon Barkley, you're out of your damn mind. Are you, are you serious? No. No, no, no. You had better draft Quentin Nelson, the guard from Notre Dame. Why is Andrew Luck not throwing a football in April? His offensive line was awful. He got beat and thrown around like a ragdoll, just thrown all over the place. I mean, I Andrew Luck still not throwing a football in April is alarming. Andrew Luck, he reminds me of the guy. You never, you know, in college, you if, maybe you went to college, maybe you went to high school. There's a paper due on Friday and it's Wednesday and you haven't even started. Hey man, how's that paper going? It's due in two days. Nah, man. I haven't even started that paper. It's going to be fine. I'm going to figure it out. No, Andrew Luck, it's it's April, and you're still not throwing an NFL football. That, that, that's terrifying. That that really, like, scares me a lot. I don't know. I don't have any more commentary than that, but I just... Oh, I found out Andrew Luck's not throwing a football, and I was just like, man, that that's terrifying. They had better draft Quentin Nelson. Does you... You cannot have Andrew Luck out there without a good offensive line. Go, for the love of God, draft Quinton Nelson. Don't mess around with a running back. Does a running back help keep Andrew Luck healthy? No, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't. You had better pick an offensive lineman if you are the Colts. Pick Quinton Nelson. He's like a sure bet. He's the safest draft pick in the NFL draft. That's all I have, everybody. I I, I just love you guys, man. I, I really love doing this show. It's my favorite thing in the world. I have so much fun. I, I just, 
we're up to we're like 830 subscribers on YouTube. And last week, I think last Friday, we were at 740, 780 something. I don't know, man. It's it's just we are growing like crazy. I keep putting out content. It's so fun. My thing. I'm just gonna keep my head down, keep going, keep plugging away. Eventually, it's gonna explode. I really believe that. Just keep doing my best. Someday, I'll hire people. We'll make it a better show. I'll get a better background. I'll, I'll wear better shirts, and you know, I'll have a live show on Twitch and I'll have little graphics and all this stuff. And I'm just so excited for the future. And, and I hope you guys are too, because I really think good things are in the making for this podcast. And I just, it's not just a pod, someday it won't just be a podcast with me talking. It really will be a live show and there will be graphics and images and hopefully highlights and pictures and all kinds of stuff. I, I really, I have a vision for this thing and I, we just got to keep working on it. We got to keep growing it. Someday we'll get out of my dorm room. <laughs> like I, I really am excited for the future. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube as well as my best, most interesting clips. If you like Strong Opinion Sports as much as I do, help me grow this podcast by telling your friends about this show. My name is Zach Schaumler. That is all I have for today. I just got to say once again, thank you so very much for watching. I really, really, I love and appreciate you guys. And that is all I have. I'll be, I'm trying to come back and do another show tomorrow. I got a lot written. I'm hopefully going to do another podcast late on Friday night. We'll see what happens. I'm doing my best. I'm, I'm dying in school. We have, we have three weeks left until summer break. May 5th, I start summer break. I'm going to go to Bozeman I'll be back in town where I live on May 7th, and we are going to hit a great, great recording schedule that is just, I'm going to pump out content, having a regular upload schedule, and I'm really excited for that. So that's all I have. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you guys. Ba-dum-bum. Bam, we're done.